welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's begin our worship and sing together. Amen. We celebrate Jesus today. We celebrate what he's done on the cross and through the resurrection. And because of that, we can sing songs like that. We can say forever, I am yours. And he is ours. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see everybody. Welcome back to Kavanaugh Church. Thank you so much for being here today. We are so thankful that you and your family showed up today and be, was able to come to the Lord's house together. 
to be able to worship and grow with one another. So thankful to see you, and again, I hope you had an awesome, awesome weekend. But I want to uh, guess, if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here. Um, in, the, in the chair back in front of you, there's a little Connect card. We, w- we'd love for you, we would love for you to fill that out um, and, and fill that, all that information out for us and take it to the back, because in the back there's a little Connect counter, and we want to be able to make sure that we can find a place for you to plug into, tell you all about our church and everything that's going on, because there is a lot going on, uh, such as C groups and Wednesday night Bible studies and everything. We just want to make sure that you're with the right people and get you connected with, a, with an amazing church family. But man, it is so good to see you all, and again, we have a lot in store coming up in the rest of the service, so we're going to get going. So let's all stand up. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. So good to see everybody. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Again, so thankful that you brought us all back together, God. You are so good. It's not because you just do good things. It's because that's your nature, who you are, God. We celebrate you today, God. We're so thankful for the body of Christ as we've gathered today, God. And so as the word is preached, Lord, open our hearts and prepare us, God, because you want us to hear what you have to say. You have something special for each and every single one of us, God. And I pray that we connect with that and we have that attachment with you today, God, that our encounter with you is something special. So, Lord, we love you. And again, bless the rest of our service. And as Brother Will brings the message, God, we love you so much in your name. Amen. Hey, real quick, uh, greet those around you. And we'll get back to worship in just a few minutes.
last song we're going to sing is a song we introduced just a couple of weeks ago, and it's new to us as a congregation. So we wanted to put it back into the set. And as we sing the songs and as you're reading the lyrics, I want you to think about the words, and it is just a reminder of what God has done in our lives. See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. And look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from his side, no greater sacrifice. What he's done, what he's done, all the My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. Sing for the freedom He has won. Even death is dead and done. His life has overcome. Say the name above all names, over every broken place, he is risen from the grave. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven, my future is The Father's will complete. He reigns in victory. Savior God and I know that we are a needy people this morning and I know that there are people that need you to be the Lord and Savior of their life and I pray God that this morning they would come to you and claim their future we know what it's going to be we know because you came and you saved us and we've accepted you but God if there's somebody here that has not today I pray that they would make that crucial first step to accept the free gift of salvation and claim what you've done for their own life and I pray, God, that this morning there are so many prayer requests out there, God, that need you to work a miracle in their life so that they can claim what you've done for them. I'm so thankful this morning for all that you've done for me and for my family and for this church. And I pray, God, that you would be with our pastor this morning as he delivers the word so that we can be open to hear what you need us to hear. And we can take all of these things and apply them in our lives as we roll through our next week, God. And I pray, God, that we would put you first in everything that you, that you 
you've done. I put, we put you first in our life, God. Yes. And once again, thank you so much for what you have done. Amen. And it's in your precious name, Jesus. Yes. I pray these things. Amen. Isn't that great? I don't know how you feel, but I've, I came up here thinking, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play, man. Fantastic. Glad that you're here today. Uh, this is an awesome day. We start a new series of sermons based on our core values. When you walk out these doors and, and look at that wall that you'll be facing, we have our seven core values of Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church, and today we're going to look at the very first core value, which is truth. We believe at Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church that God's Word changes everything. And it's not happen chance that truth or the Bible is our very first core value. Because here's the way we think. If you get this right, if you understand that the Word of God is the inspired, errant, errant, authoritative, indestructible, and powerful Word of God, then you're going to get everything else right. It all begins with the word of truth. And I believe with all of my heart, soul, and mind that God's word changes everything. You may have an impossible situation in your life right now. You know what? God's word has the answer for your impossible situation. You may be going through a very dark valley in your life right now. God's word is the light that's going to get you through. You're probably having problems with relationships or with your family or with your kids. God's word has the answer to all life's relationships. And God's word changes everything. I get to preach on that this morning and then through this week as you meet in your C group, you're going to be following that and learning more truths about God's Word. So get hooked up to a C group, and those C groups will be meeting this week. Some are already meeting. In fact, right now we got two C groups meeting. Others will meet this afternoon or tonight in various locations. We have a C group that meets on Monday night, a couple that meet on Tuesday night, and even a C group that meets on Friday night. So you need to get hooked up to a C group as we follow up on our core values, and today is truth. God's Word changes everything. That's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to begin by reading verse 12 all the way through chapter 4, verse 5. Paul is writing to his protege in the faith, Timothy, and he says this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh boy. <laughs> we started off that way, huh? That's kind of a slap in the face. That's not what you're expecting. You were wanting an encouraging word on the word of God. Well, this is reality. I mean, God's word is real. It speaks the truth. And the Bible tells us up front that if you follow Jesus and if you build your life on the Word of God, get ready. You're going to have trouble in the world because the world despises truth. In fact, our world says there is no absolute truth. And if you come along and say, well, I believe in absolute truth, then guess what? You're going to be persecuted. It's just the way it is. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we come to verse 16, which is our key verse for today. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy, preach the word of God. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves their own teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside unto fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your calling in ministry. Join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for your word. And as I speak it on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak the word into our hearts. Change our lives, make us into the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in the Bible, the inspired, inerrant, infallible, indestructible, powerful word of God. Do you? I'm asking you as a person, do you believe this is God's word? Do you believe in the word of God? Well, the world doesn't. The world will mock you if you say you believe everything in this book. And the problem is, and I think the shame is, there are a lot of churches and Christians who no longer believe in the authority and inspiration of the word of God. I could give you several illustrations of this, but I've chosen one in particular. Back in 2003, the Episcopalians, and let me just stop right there, I am not picking on the Episcopalians, because since 2003, many other mainline denominations have followed suit, and they have done the same thing that the Episcopalians did back in 2003. They made the headlines when they voted to ordain Reverend Gene Robinson as an openly homosexual bishop for New Hampshire. Many of us in the Christian world thought, how in the world could they do such a thing in good conscience? Since the Bible repeatedly condemns homosexual activity among consenting adults. I think the answer is found in Gene Robinson's own words. And I'm quoting him directly. He said this. We have many times departed from tradition and Scripture. Just simply saying it departs from tradition and Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. He said we worship a living God, and that living God leads us into new truth. Now, when he talks about tradition, he's talking about the traditional teachings of the historic church, which in the Catholic and Anglican denominations are more binding than they are for us who hold to the Word of God alone as being our sole authority. But if you omit that part about traditions, here is what Gene Robinson is saying. He said this, simply because it departs from Scripture doesn't make it wrong. He said, we have departed from Scripture many times. Our living God isn't bound by the scriptures. He is leading us into new truth, new standards, new ideals, and new veracities. Really. The leading Episcopalian in the United States at that time was Bishop Frank Griswold. And in an interview with the Associated Press, here's what he said. I don't think the Bible pretends to be the rule book, the history book, the container of all factual truth. The Bible is simply the description of people's encounter with a living God. In other words, what he said was this, the Holy Bible has some good things to say, but it cannot be totally trusted when it comes to rules and history and factual truth. He is affirming in his statement he does not believe the Bible as an infallible or inerrant document, and therefore he does not believe that it's binding for all times and all seasons. What he's saying is this, it is a wonderful book to read like a novel is to read, but it is not authoritative. 
Are you with me? Okay. The real issue in this debate among the Episcopalians and many other denominations since then is not so much the issue of homosexuality. The real issue is the authority of the Word of God. And whether or not you believe that this really is God's Word, that it is infallible, inerrant, inspired, authoritative, and it applies to today. This line of reasoning that we're having here is, is, is unbelievable to me. I mean, it's not anything that is absolutely new. In fact, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The, the very first attack of the tempter was aimed at the authority of the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we have the first recorded words of Satan, the devil, the tempter. And here's what he said to Eve. Yea, hath God said? In other words, he's calling into question God's word. Did God really say that? And Paul is telling us here in 2 Timothy that attacks on the authority of Scripture, attacks on the word of God are going to characterize the last days right before Jesus comes back. We're living in those last days. And in the midst of those days and in the climate of the culture of our world, let me affirm to you from this stage and behind this pulpit, Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church values the truth that is found in God's Word. Let me just tell you what we believe. And, and I know this may, this may be boring to you and it may be doctrine, but sometimes we need to hear doctrine from sermons. We believe in the inspiration of Scripture. Let's look at Paul's central declaration in 2 Timothy 3.16, which really is the greatest verse in the Bible on the subject of inspiration of Scripture. This verse begins by saying, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This six-word phrase is only one word in the original Greek. And it's a very important word. So I need to ask you to indulge my delving in to the original Greek as Paul wrote it. It is vitally important for us to understand. This word actually comes from two smaller Greek words. The first is theos, which means God. And the second is pneuma. It is the word from which we get a lot of our English words like pneumonia. It means wind or air or breath. And as a verb, it means to breathe or to exhale. This verse literally says, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, I'm up here talking to you. What am I doing when I'm speaking? I'm simply exhaling, and I'm using my mouth and my tongue to form certain sounds called words with my exhaled breath. So here's what we can say about 2 Timothy 3.16. Every word of the Scripture has been breathed out. It has been spoken by Almighty God. Now, have you ever wondered, how did God do that? I mean, what was the process through which God breathed out the Scriptures? Well, the answer to that question is literally found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. I'm reading this morning out of the New King James translation, and this is the way it translates that verse. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private, what's that word? Interpretation. Now, I'm, I'm reading out of New King James because that was my choice for today's sermon, but this is unfortunately a bad translation of that word interpretation. Okay, that, that's not really a good meaning for that word. The, the word literally means origin. In other words, what Peter is saying is this, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private origin. In other words, the ideal is an interpretation, but it is origination. The New Living Translation, I think, says it a little bit better. No prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophets themselves. 
That is, the writers of the Bible didn't just make this stuff up on their own. They didn't just have one of these, oh, I think I'll write that down and write it down. No, not at all. Verse 21 goes on to say it like this, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, one translation says, as they were borne along by the Holy Spirit of God. Wow. That means God picked these guys out on purpose, and God spoke his word into and through their lives, and therefore we have their personalities coming through God's breathed out word. Does that make sense to you? This means that when you read the Bible, the authors of the various books are writing in their own personality, so it's not all coming from the same mindset or the same perspective. Isaiah's words, for example, are majestic because he was the most majestic of all the prophets. Jeremiah's, on the other hand, were somewhat melancholy because Jeremiah was depressed half the time. Moses writes with authority because Moses was the man. John writes with tenderness because he had this tender heart for God. Mark's style is brief and to the point. Luke's style is analytical and historical and even from a medical side because he was a doctor. And it is in this fact that we have the miracle of the Bible. It is both divine and human, just like Jesus. It was written by human authors in their own context, using their own personalities, yet every word of it is breathed out of the mouth of God. We believe in the inspiration of scriptures. In fact, if you want to get technical, anybody want to get technical, raise your hand if you want to get technical with me. Let's get down to techno here. We actually believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of scripture. My systematic theology professor in college was the one, Bill Jones who was a longtime missionary in Africa, then he became president of Hillsdale and then professor of systematic theology. And he was a stickler for definitions, especially when it came to the Bible. And he drilled this definition into our heads on plenary verbal inspiration. Till the day I die, I will be saying the definition of plenary verbal inspiration. On my deathbed, I'll probably be saying this definition. It is so drilled into my heart and mind. God so moved on the minds of human authors of Scripture so as to guide them to the exact words selected, protecting them from all error and omission, yet allowing them to retain their own personalities in their writings. This is the Word of God. Now, now you can see that this definition of inspiration plainly implies inerrancy and infallibility in the original documents. If God himself, who is altogether perfect, superintended the writing of his word down to the very words selected, then we would no more than expect his words and his word to be perfect and without error. Now Jesus certainly felt that way. In fact, let's briefly look at what Jesus said about Scripture. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, our Lord's conflict with the devil in the wilderness. In fact, when you go to your C group, whether it be today, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Friday night, you're going to be reading this passage from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted, Forty days and forty nights afterwards, he was hungry. Well, I would imagine, I haven't eaten since 8 o'clock last night, and I'm getting a little bit irritated right now, so, wow. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you really are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Well, I wish I had time to talk about that this morning because it is, it is so real, it is so literal. Those round stones look just like the round loaves that women would make in outdoor ovens during that time. And it's so very plausible to see that Jesus, the Son of God, could take a stone and make it into bread because it already looked like a loaf of bread. 
The temptation was real to him. If you really are the Son of God, just go ahead and command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus didn't say some words. He said every word. Jesus understood that the nature of inspiration meant that every word had come from God himself. And therefore, every word in our Bible could be trusted to be true and infallible. Look at the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 5. This is our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. Look, Look at what Jesus said in verses 17 and 18. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. You're probably wondering, what in the world is a jot and what's a tittle? A jot was the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and a tittle was the smallest stroke that was made in writing a Hebrew letter. Jesus was affirming the trustworthiness of even the smallest letters that made up the words that made up the Holy Scriptures. Man, I believe that God's Word is inspired. And so let's just take it a step further here. If the Word of God is inspired, then it is infallible and inerrant. And if it is infallible and inerrant, then let me tell you something, friends. It is authoritative. And that is our third truth this morning about the Bible. We believe it is the final word of authority. It possesses divine authority. It speaks for God himself. This is God's decrees. These are God's commands, God's truths, God's very words. It is our rule of faith and practice. So in reality, what does that mean? When it comes to real life, what does that mean? Well, I think it means a lot of things, but there are two things of vital importance for us to understand this morning. First of all, it means that we have a responsibility to be wise interpreters of Scripture. We are to rightly divide the word of truth. If we're going to take life and death positions based on the sheer authority of Scripture alone, we better make sure that we are reading it correctly and interpreting it correctly. You just can't pull a verse out of context and establish some kind of rule or standard or conviction. You've got to make sure that you're rightly dividing the Word of God. That's imperative. And Freddie, let me tell you something. I don't take that lightly. You you need to understand this about your preacher. When when I came here, I told the church I'd do two things. I'd lead you and I'd feed you. And to me, the, the most important of those is probably feeding you. And I realize that every time I get up here and preach, whether it's a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, doesn't matter when it is, every time I get up here and read to you the Word of God, one day, I'm going to stand before the judgment throne of God, and I am going to give an account to God of how I interpreted his word and how I preached it to you. God is going to hold me responsible for properly interpreting and properly relating to you the word of truth. And I don't take that lightly. That is a grave responsibility. And you know what? You should feel the same way about your own Bible study and your own Bible reading. Second, once we do know what the Bible says and we're confident that we are interpreting it correctly, the truth of Scripture becomes the final, listen to that, the final word of authority. What determines my personal beliefs? What determines my daily behaviors? What is the determining factor in the decisions I make in life or my actions? Is it my own personal preferences? Is it what I want to do? Is it what I feel like doing? No. 
It's the Word of God. What determines my beliefs? Is it what the United States government says? Is it what the United States Supreme Court decrees? No. It's what the Word of God says. Is it what the media and our cultural elite tell us is politically correct? No. It's what the Bible says. Because let me tell you something, church. There are times when the truths of God's Word run counter to my own personal preferences. Or to the United States Supreme Court. Or to what is currently politically correct. But we believe the message of the Bible is inspired, inerrant, infallible, and therefore authoritative. It's a solid rock in the middle of an ocean of uncertainty. And on this rock we stand. And can I say unapologetically, we stand. That brings us to another truth about the Bible. It's indestructibility. Heaven and earth will pass away. but God's word is going to stay here. The opinions of the wise and foolish will come and go. Kings will be crowned and uncrowned. Empires will rise and fall. But the word of God, it abides forever. In the days of the Roman Empire, Roman authorities sought ways of crushing and stamping out Christianity once and for all. It was suggested that they gather up all the believers, all the Christians, and burn them, annihilate them, kill them. But one spokesman in the emperor's council responded, it is no use for us to burn all the Christians. For if you burn every Christian alive today and then just leave one single copy of the Scriptures remaining, the Christian church will spring up again tomorrow. And it will. I I don't have to tell you this. In the day that we're living, great efforts are being made to discredit God's Word. In fact, you don't have to go very far to to hear people say, there are no absolute truths. You know what? (laughs) I am not being mean-spirited. Please understand this. But they can say whatever they want to say. And they can do whatever they want to do. But they will not destroy God's Word. God's Word is going to live on. His Word will stand. God's Word will evermore endure because it is indestructible and it is imperishable. As someone once wrote, hammer away ye hostile hands, your hammers break, God's anvil stands. And that brings us back to our text for today and to the subject of the power of God's Word. If the Bible is the inspired Word of God, if it is infallible and inerrant, it is authoritative and it is indestructible. The net implication is that it's also powerful. Powerful enough to change a person's life forever. Look at the way Paul put it in our passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. First of all, this passage tells us that the Bible gives us all the information we need to be saved. Doing one of these timeouts. And that, my friend, is the most important decision of your life. What are you going to do with what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to eternal life. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. You must admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you for your sins, and confess Jesus as Lord of your life. 
You must accept what the Bible says about Jesus and about salvation. And you must ask Jesus into your heart. And the Bible gives us all the information we need to be saved. I spent the last couple of days cowboy shooting. Cowpocos in Oklahoma at a little town called Cushing, Oklahoma. Anybody ever been to Cushing, Oklahoma? Okay, a few of you have. It's a real town out in Oklahoma. I was, I was shooting with a lot of other cowboys, about 80 or, no, I think there was 90 people there shooting. It was the Oklahoma State Championship of Cowboy Action Shooting. We had five different posses. <clears throat> and I was asked to be a posse marshal. Big responsibilities with posse marshal, isn't there, cowpoke? I'm in charge of all these cowboys and cowgirls in my posse. In our posse, there were 14 different people. And, and I had, to, it's like herding cats. <laughs> but it's no different than pastoring a church. So I, felt, I feel real comfortable in, in being a posse marshal. And so my job is, when we get to a certain stage, we shot 10 stages over two days, I would read the scenario and, and get everything going. Well, I decided to do this. Never seen it done before. But before I would read a scenario at a stage, I would pick out a couple of shooters in our posse, and I would highlight them. I would say, you know, it, it, it is so good to have ambler and nail driver in our posse in fact this stage that we're shooting a two three five is really called an ambler sweep back at, at our home club and nail driver gave the name to this scenario because ambler's his best friend and and it's a great stage a great scenario but these are two great guys and i just go on and talk about ambler and nail driver and how great they were and i would say posse five is a better posse because we have ambler and nail driver on our posse everybody's just clapping man I did that for 10 stages, and I included everybody in our posse. So everybody got built up. I mean, I, I was saying great things. I, I had my fingers crossed a couple of times talking about a few of these people, but no, I wasn't lying about them. But it, I was complimenting. And you know what? Pe people enjoy that. People enjoy when, when I talk about Jason and how proud I am of Jason being sober and, and living for God and doing the right thing, man, we enjoy hearing that, but it makes you feel good too, doesn't it? You bet it does. And so by the time I finished the 10th stage by talking about all these people, they were my best friends <laughs> because I'd built every one of them up. But then I said this, very last stage, I said, you know, I've, I've talked about all you guys and the reason is because you're all important. You're all special. You're, every one of you are different than anybody else here. God gave you a special DNA because you're a special person. And I want you to know from your friend that God made you special because God has a great plan for your life. And nobody can do what God made for you to do except you. But the most important thing is that you give your heart to Jesus Christ. And I just gave them the simple plan of salvation. And you know what? Every one of them was listening to me. Because I had won their friendship and won their respect. And now I got to preach a little sermon to them. I hope I can do that with you right now. You are special. You're one of a kind. God made you special. And God loves you more than anything else. And God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And the Bible tells us how we can have that relationship. The Bible tells us everything we need to know to be saved. But not only that, the Bible also gives us the doctrine, the reproof, the correction, the instruction that we need to grow up into spiritual maturity. It equips us for everything God wants us to do on planet Earth. God's Word is powerful. Ted grew up in a town just south of London, England. As a teenager, he became a ruffian, joined a street gang, a group of rowdy kids. One day in 1953, when Ted was only 15 years old, an evangelist named Charles Kingston came to town to conduct this evangelistic campaign. He set up a big tent. It was going to be an old-time tent revival. Well, Ted Seymour and his buddies decided they were going to break up that tent revival, 
And so one night they went out around the tent and started pulling up the tent pegs. Their idea was to pull up all the pegs and let the tent collapse on people inside. But you know what? They were caught before they completed their task. And instead of dragging this rowdy group of gangsters to jail, they marched them right inside the tent and made them sit on the front row. And there were two big signs hanging inside that tent. One was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The second sign was Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those verses also became the theme of Charles Kingston's sermon that night. And as he preached through the power of the Holy Spirit, that young 15-year-old ruffian realized that God loved him, that Jesus had died for him, and that he was facing an eternal decision as to whether to accept or reject the Savior of the world. And that night, God changed Ted Seymour's life forever. He's devoted his life to serving God in remarkable ways all around the world. But let me tell you, that's just the power of the Word of God. It can change a teenager gang member's life and give him peace, hope, joy, and turn him into a godly man who has a passion for worldwide evangelism. God did that for Ted Seymour, and God can do that for you. The Apostle Paul once said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I would affirm to you, it is able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. God's word is powerful. The power of the gospel can penetrate the hardest heart and even your heart right now. The authority of God's word can bring your life under control. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Will you submit to it? Will you obey it? For, for some of you, maybe, maybe you just need to come today and bring your obedience up to date. It isn't new truth that you need. You already know the truth. It's obedience and complete obedience to the truth that you already know. And maybe you're here today and your life is just a mess. It is a wreck. I don't have to tell you why. It's, it's because we live in a messed up world. And if you don't have the light and the power of the Word of God, you're just going to live a messed up life. But God gives us the answer. If you're living in a dark world, here's the light. If you're having problems with your kids, your grandkids, interpersonal relationships in your family, the answer to all of that is in the Word of God. But you've got to come. You've got to open up your heart. You've got to believe it receive it and obey it we believe in the truth because God's word changes everything let it change your life today Heavenly Father I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would do his work in our lives right now Lord, there, there are many who need to come today and just come to the altar and pray. Some, some need to come and ask Jesus into their hearts and ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins. Others, dear Lord, need to come and bring their obedience up to date. Still others of us just, just need to come and, and pray for your help in navigating life and working through the issues that we're facing. I pray that today, dear Lord, we would all have the freedom to come to the authoritative word of God for the answers we need. Lord, make it easy for us to come and pray today. And I'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. If you need to come and pray, the altars are open. Don't hesitate. Come now. Come now.
going to ask that you uh, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I don't, I don't do this often. I did it first service today, and I feel, I feel the leading of the Holy Spirit to do it in this service as well. So here's the deal. If you're in this room and you just, you just have a, I don't know, a, a huge burden on your heart right now, there's, there's something that, that you have going on in your life and you need some help with it. You need your pastor to pray for you. I want to have the privilege to do that. So let me know that just by lifting up your hand. And by lifting up your hand, you're saying, Preacher, I need you to pray for me. Leave it up just for a second, okay? Nobody's looking around. This is between me and you. Just leave it up for a second so I can look through the whole building. I see hands in every section. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Again, I, I don't take that lightly. I'm not going to come to you and say, hey, why'd you have your hand up? But if, if you want to come and talk to me or one of the other pastors, we'd love to spend time with you. We'd love to pray for you. But right now, I do want to pray and ask God to be with all of us. Would you join me in this prayer? Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for the inerrant, authoritative, indestructible, powerful Word of God. Dear Lord, I believe with all my heart your word has the answer to the problems we face in life. So for my friends who raise their hand with, with the problems that they're dealing with and these barriers that are in their life, I, I pray that they would find the answer in your word. Lord, I love you so much. I love this church and I love these people. Help us as we live for you. Help us to never be ashamed of the Word of God and help us to build our life on the solid rock. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a second. Right before I let you go, let me share some things with you. Uh, as you walk out today, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. And as you leave, would you say a special prayer for uh, Sharon Pearson? Sharon and Wayne attend our first service uh, she has had a really difficult week this past week in and out of the hospital and is in desperate need of our prayer. So lift up Miss Sharon Pearson. Also pray for Don and Becky Smith. Don lost his mother this past week and her funeral was on Friday. Uh, we love Don and Becky and we're lifting Don and his family up to the Lord. Pray for them. C groups. Man, you need to get involved in a C group. Uh, they started last week, but it's, it's not too late to get plugged in. Uh, all of our tables are no longer out there, but you can find all the information about C groups on our website page. You just go to KavanaughChurch.com, and up in the top, there's, there's going to be a little section uh, under Get Connected. You push that tab, and the very first one is C groups. You pull that up, and it lists all 16 different C groups that we have meeting. It lists the host of the group and also the, the time and the place where they're going to be meeting. We have a lot of them that meet on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, some that meet on Monday night, Tuesday night, and even on Friday night. So just, just find you a group, get plugged in, and uh, this week you're going to talk about truth, all right, and learn more about God's Word and God's truth. Come back on Wednesday night. We have services for all age groups. Here's what I told the first service uh, before they left. One thing I want all of you to know is our staff kind of likes you a little bit. I really like you, but God loves you. So you just, they laughed. Y'all are not laughing. You think I'm serious, but God does love you, all right? Have a great week. Stay out of trouble. We'll see you Wednesday night.